direct you to Psalm chapter 33 this morning. I know all of you have uh, experienced uh, the last 13 weeks like I have, all of the things that have gone on in our world. Uh, Just the the changes uh, of our routines, the places that close, the restrictions. Obviously, not not just uh, in church, but in all of our world. And I started thinking about what is it that... Uh, in the face of the unknown, which there's still a lot of unknown, uh, how will things come back? When will things open? Uh, people are still asking questions. We still don't know about school starting back in the fall, whether the kids will be in class or not. Lots of, uh, lots of, lots of unknown things out there. Um, how do you face that? How do you deal with uncertainty? Not just in this season, but I think we all understand that uh, life uh, brings us challenges where we don't know the outcome. And what do you do when you face those? Can you, here's really my thought, can you prepare? Is there something that you can do today for an unknown, unforeseen challenge that's going to come up in your future? I believe your father who knows everything that you're going to face, he's got everything you need if we could just get prepared. So I want to direct you to Psalm 33, verses 1 through 8 this morning. Let's read that. Psalmist says this, shout for joy in the Lord. O you righteous, praise befits the upright. I love that. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand, here it is, in awe of him. Stand in awe of him. The first seven verses of Psalm 33 give us just a little picture of the creative power, the unlimited ability of our Father, our Abba Father. And then verse 8, after saying those things, says that we should fear the Lord and that all of us should stand in awe of him. I want to talk to you just a moment about what awe does. And I want to talk to you about it being a prescriptive thing because God's prepared you for unknown things that are yet in your future. And because he did that, he also prepared you for the time that we're living in right now. And a sense of awe at who he is, I think, has a powerful prescription for what we need in our life today. There's some products that all gives us. Let me give you just a first of them. First of all, all gives us perspective. Perspective. If we live too long away from the presence of the Lord, we lose our perspective. If we are too inundated with the cares of this life and our eyes get on all the things going on around us, we can lose the picture of a father who is high and lifted up and powerful and mighty and able and who has secured you and I. We lose that perspective. I want you to notice when it happens in the scripture. Moses is up on the mountain in the book of Exodus and the children of Israel are down below. In chapter 24, God calls Moses up onto Mount Sinai and he begins to give him the very specific instructions concerning how people are to worship him. By chapter 32, 
And Moses has been gone some time, but not like a year, days. That's in 24, God calls Moses up. By chapter 32, the people have forsaken God. They have built a golden calf, and they are singing and dancing around it when Moses and Joshua descend from Mount Sinai. These are the same people, same generation, who have come out of Egypt. They saw the Red Sea part because of God's power. They saw manna fall from heaven. They saw water come out of a rock. They saw cloud cover them and shelter them by day, and a pillar of fire give them direction by night. They have seen all of the majesty of God in the beginning of this revelation when he shakes Sinai so great that they say, Moses, we don't want to meet with God. You go meet with him, and then you come tell us what he said. They've experienced all of that. The fire and the smoke and the trumpet blasts. And yet, almost just like that, they forsake God and they lose the perspective of who he is. They begin to murmur against God and against Moses. And we see this pattern over and over and over historically in people's lives. We have such a capacity to forget. I do. I don't know about you, but I do. It's often, and here's, here's one of the unfortunate realities that I deal with in my life. It often takes a moment of crisis, of shaking, of uncertainty for me to put it all back into perspective again. I think that's one of the things that the Lord is using this period of time to do. We have regained our perspective of how fragile our lives are and how much we need our Father. You and I live in a world that is different, I think, than any world that I've lived in. I've never lived through a period of time like this. I bet many of you haven't either. And yet throughout the Scriptures, we see people deal with the unknown, deal with the uncertainty, and because of the awe that they have of who God is, they navigate those things and do great things for God. Abraham sets out into nowhere. Jacob wrestles with the angel of the Lord in Genesis 32. Samson, and none of these were perfect examples. They all struggled with themselves, and yet they persevered. Samson pushed over the pillars after returning to God. David slayed Goliath. David danced around the ark. Ezekiel saw those lights in the sky and the prophetic visions. Elijah up on Mount Horeb slaying the prophets of Baal. Elisha raises the widow's son back to life. Peter gets out of the boat when everyone else is afraid to and walks on the water. Yes, he sinks, but he's the only one that got out. Peter and John running to the tomb. Every apostle, apostle except John willing to die a martyr's death. Hebrews tells us of others who were sawn in two, who were killed with a sword, who lived destitute lives in sheepskin and animal skins. Life was never circumstances happening. was never an excuse to forsake or to forget God. The great men and women of faith, even though they still stumbled and fell, they remembered who the Lord was. And that perspective kept them. You and I, as I said, are living in some very unusual times. But all brings a perspective that can get up above the circumstances. Hebrews chapter 12, I've referred to it, but let me read it to you. I used the first verse, first two verses on Sunday. But listen to verses 1 through 4 of Hebrews chapter 12. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. It was the ability that Jesus had to see his father and it was that sense of awe that enabled him to do what he did. So awe gives us it gives us a really good perspective. Secondly, it gives us persuasion, that we are persuaded. I want you to look at Romans chapter 8 with me. I only want to read a few verses from it. Romans chapter 8. Give me just a second. Forgive me. Romans chapter 8. I want you to notice that uh, there is such a powerful picture beginning in verse 18 from Romans. Paul says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole of creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth now, uh, until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Listen, there is a thing that happens in you and I in the struggle if we keep a sense of awe of who the Father is. The struggle itself, the scripture says here that there was this groaning that takes place in all of creation and in us as we await not the banks to get it figured out, and that would be good, or the government to get things, watch this, or even a vaccine to be made. I think those are all wonderful things, and I long for those, but the thing that I long for, and it's that perspective, that awe of who the Father is, the thing that alleviates all of it is not a vaccine, it's not money from the bank, it's not a better government, or it's, it's not legislation. What relieves it all is the persuasion that I have that one day, I'm getting out of here. The awe of who he is and what he's done gives me great hope, gives you great hope, can give you rest and peace because this isn't the end. This is the beginning. This isn't heaven. This is the test. This is the trial. This isn't the rest. This is the work. One day, hallelujah, if we can just see who he is, Oh, there's such a persuasion, there's such a determination that comes out of that, that you're going to make it. And from that then, number three, perseverance. Because I see him, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm not, listen, I don't know what other people are going to do, but I'm going through. How about you? I'm going on. 
I'm going to make it to heaven. I'm going to stand before him someday. I'm going to lay my crown at his feet. I'm going to be in that great multitude from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue who lift and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God who was and is and is to come. There is a perseverance that seeing that as real, I'm persuaded that it's coming. I have a perspective that tells me that it's coming and that gives me the ability to persevere. Listen to some scripture. Jude 1 through 3 says this Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God and Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. You got to grab it, you got to contend for it. Jude says, I felt compelled to write to you to tell you don't give up. Persevere. Hang on. Don't quit. You say, Pastor, you're getting kind of cranked up for Wednesday morning. I am because the world is pushing in on every side and the people of God need to persevere. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1-6. through 6. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Listen to verse 6. For this reason, I remind you, Timothy, don't you quit. Don't you back up. Don't you let the naysayers get you down. Don't you let the circumstances around you. I know you're young. I know you're leading a contrary bunch of people. I know you've got difficulty. I know there are others around you that are telling you you're ill-equipped and that you're too young and that you're too much of a novice and you don't know what you're doing. But let me tell you what I want you to do, Timothy. I want you to fan into flame. I want you to fan that gift of God that is in you that was put in you by the laying on of my hands. Paul tells Timothy, dive into the Spirit of God, Timothy. Let the Holy Spirit be the loudest voice. Let there be a sense that you can do it through God's supernatural power. Timothy, you don't need anything else other than the faith that I saw in your grandmother and I saw it in your mom, and I'm convinced, Timothy, you've got it. Just fan it into flame. Don't quit. Church, I would tell you today, right there where you're sitting, fan the gift of God. You say, Pastor, that's all... I mean, you're getting all cranked up, but what does that mean? Find you a quiet place today. If you're feeling a little discouraged, if you're feeling a little down, if you don't know what the future is going to hold, let me give you a prescription to fix that. Find a quiet place. Turn off all the news and the media and the social media and all that. Find you a place and fan your gift into flame. Do you understand the picture of that? Do you understand the word picture that Timothy is told by Paul? It's like an ember, a little ember that is glowing doesn't have any open flame. It's just a little glowing ember. And what would you do? You'd take something and you'd think, you blow on it. And you put some fuel down there by it. Come on, feed yourself on some good stuff. Turn off all the nonsense of the world for a while. Put some good stuff. Put the word of God down there by the spirit of God that is that gift. And, and come on, add some word to the spirit and then blow. Come on, spend a little time. 
Fan that thing. Spend some time investing in it. And you know what will happen? Fan it into flame. In other words, all of a sudden, that little ember that you thought was just barely there, you add the word, which is the fuel. You, you blow on it. You tend it. You let the Spirit of God do what he's going to do. And all of a sudden, whoosh, that flame comes up. And now you make it. But you've got to persevere. Galatians chapter 6. Let me give you one more. Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. If all you take in during this season are the fleshly things of this world, it's going to corrupt you. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us, here it is, now watch, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will, we will reap if we do not give up. Don't give up. How do you do that? Isaiah did it this way. Let me close with this. One of my favorite sections of Scripture. I've told it to you before, but let me remind you of it. Isaiah chapter 6. I don't have it on the screen unless those guys are moving really fast, all right? And they may be. But Isaiah 6 says this. In the year that King Uzziah died. In the year that King That's the way it starts. In the year that King Uzziah died. Do you know what that is? That's Isaiah's version of in the year that the pandemic hit. Back in July when the plant closed. Back in 1987 when my father died. Isaiah is marking a moment by the crisis that took place in that moment. That's all you get. He didn't expand upon it. He just talks about the way his world was shaken when King Uzziah died. It's the next sentence that sets it. Mm. When all was shaken in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And then he goes on with this incredible picture of the magnitude. You see, Isaiah's perspective of God's awe enabled him to endure the shaking that was taking place in his world because of the death of a king that he was close to, King Uzziah. Mm. It's that awe of who God is that secures you in the difficult times of life. So let me ask you this morning, How's your awe level when you think of the Father? And listen, I, I'm not one to put 
a lot of stock in physical things as it relates to spiritual matters. But watch, but I think this is, you'll get the point. When you think of the Father, whew, does it give you a chill? Is there a, is there a thrill that runs through you? Does your heart, is there a smile? Is there a whole world? You better watch out. He's coming. You circumstances, you think you're getting me down. You just, just hold on. He's, I've seen him. And when he reveals himself to this world, let me tell you, pandemics are going to flee. Rulers are going to, the wicked, so awesome is his presence that it says that the wicked of the world hide under the rocks and cry out for them to fall on them so that they won't have to stand before the face of the sun of the one who's coming. All of who he is will preserve you through the difficult times of life. So how's your level of all? You say, Pastor Roy, it's a little low today. I've been overwhelmed by the circumstances, the things that are going on in my life. So what do you do about it? How can you increase that? Now, let me make sure that you understand, because I don't like preaching that just doesn't give some application. Some, it needs to really matter. So how do you get better? You've got to increase the level of all. Why does that do it? It comes back to this sermon series that we're preaching about faith making things solid that weren't. How do you increase faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Very first thing, if you've lost that sense of all, the very first thing I would encourage you to do is turn to his word. Daily, if you're, if you're in a troubling time, you need a resource every day. So get into God's Word every day. That's why I've been advertising Pastor Roy's Bible reading group. It's not that it's my group. I don't, that's not the deal. It's just systematic, and you'll get a dose. It's like taking your blood pressure medicine every day. You can't just skip it. You've got to stay on it. Those of you that are dependent on insulin, you can't, well, you know, I think I'll just skip the insulin today. No, you, your body needs it. Your spirit, in this season, especially in this sort of crisis period where we're bombarded with all of this, you need him daily. So take his word in. How do you increase the level of awe? Take in his word. What does that do for you? It will calm your heart. It will calm your mind. It will let you sleep better at night. If it's anxiety over what's going on in the world that's keeping you up, a sense of awe at who he is will give you rest. It'll, it'll make your blood pressure come down. It'll make the peace of God descend upon you because you know who he is. And awe at who he is will push all the rest of that stuff out of the way. How do you get the awe up? Start with his word. And then fan into flame that gift. Ask the Holy Spirit. Set aside. You don't need to set aside two, three hours. Set aside. Start with 10 minutes. Take in the word and then sit. And just say, Holy Spirit, now I've, I've ingested into my spirit God's word. Give me what I need out of it. I worship you. Spend a moment worship. Lord, I bless you. Right there by yourself. You say, but the music's not. You don't need any of that. Come on, you know that. Open your mouth and express praise and adoration. So now you've taken in the word. Now you're allowing an atmosphere that the Spirit of God can fan that gift 
And then, if you are, pray in the Spirit. And if you're not, ask the Lord to baptize you in the Spirit. The Word of God and time in His presence and the gifts of the Spirit will always, listen, magnify the Father. It'll lift Him back up in your mind. You'll begin to see Him for who He is and that sense of awe and those understandings of who He is, they're going to bring peace and joy and blessing to your spirit. You're going to make it through. Amen, amen. Father, thank you so much that you are a sustainer. You deliver us. You strengthen us. You provide. But Lord, we can't constantly just bombard ourselves with the cares of this life without taking in your word and spending some time so that you might reveal to us and remind us of who you are. And because we know who you are, Lord, and we have all at that, we know of your ability to care for and take, take charge of what we need in our lives. So do it for each one that's watching this today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to preach it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for being here uh, Wednesday morning. You, uh, they're giving me, are you saying we do have? All right. Uh, as many of you know, most weeks we have Miss Cheryl, and she gives us a word and play. So we had some technical difficulties, and that wasn't working, but now it is. So let me tell you what we'll do. Thank you so much for being here today. We'll be back here tonight at 7 o'clock for our study of 1 John chapter 5. I hope you can join us. And then we'll be back here Sunday morning in person. If you'd like to come worship with us, uh, the group grows every week. This will be our third week we've been back. Come worship with us. We're taking lots of precautions. We give out masks if you want one. Social distancing can still be practiced. That's completely uh, uh, at your discretion. We have hand sanitizer. We're doing everything to make it safe. So come worship with us. But if not... We'll be back here online at 8.30 and 10.30, both times online streaming the service. God bless you. Thank you for being here.